We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. for the Newcastle Knights. Darren tracing his first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Sights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tie to Andrew John. Bridge streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game in his debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try. That should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from the Wabakal Wanarua lands. This is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends Podcasting Network and brought to you by A-plus contract Ian Polly Welding. Well, the night's NRLW season is finished with another strong showing, but no reward to show for it. And as for the boys, well, there is again plenty to talk about from the Panthers' loss. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the 155th best rugby league podcast in town. Mate, it's another week, and once again, Bretto, it's all happening in all things red and blue. Mate, it barely changes, does it? You know, like you said, I think you've seen, you've seen it all, and no, not, they're not finding another way to uh, lose a game. It's always interesting. It, it's never boring. <laughs> oh, no, no. Ben and Knights fan is living on the edge. There's no doubt about that. There's no success, but we live on the edge. It's a thrill. Um. In terms of losses that I think I've experienced, and now both for the men and the women, there's definitely a different feeling after the losses that we've sort of um, that we've had this weekend. If, if you if you sort of catch my meaning. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, the girls today were very very valiant. You know, they, the Titans were playing essentially at home, playing in Queensland, playing for a final spot, and they're a really good team. The Titans and they played really well, but the girls just kept hanging on, hanging on. Didn't quite go their way in the end, but no, they were outstanding today, the girls. And as for the boys, well, my God, they, you know, they, they did us proud, didn't they? They, they, they really did. tried their backsides off. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll talk about both games um, fairly in depth uh, shortly. Um, just quickly touch on uh, last week's recordings, though. I, uh, so we got to the end of our session, and um, I knew immediately as soon as we logged off, I was like, there's there's a lot of information missing here, and uh, I was madly sort of dialing you, going, "Oh, hey, is there any chance that um, files have magically appeared at uh, at your end?" And so I just uh, I, I loved your reaction when I said, "Well, we can do it again." You're like, "Yeah, that's not happening again." <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's probably not a bad thing because I was I've only said a few things I should have said about our opposition oh. that day. No, I absolutely disagree. I thought it was – look, history will show that that was the fine, probably the finest episode we've done to date, and um, <laughs> it's absolutely society's loss. But, uh, look, the, the red light is recording uh, today. I can see the clock ticking. Um, we might touch a little bit on the Tigers game, at least to give a few opinions here and there, but um, that, that, they'll probably be more uh, reflective of what happened yesterday. And um, – Mate, come on, let's it, it's all happening. Let's um let's just get straight into it. Let's do it, brother. Night's NRLW season is over. We knew that last weekend. Um 
but yeah, the, the girls did us absolutely proud today and um, they were very unlucky not to get uh, a couple of competition points against a, um, a very strong Titans team. Yeah, no, they really played well today, the girls. They, you know, they struggled with their hands a little bit and that sort of starved them in the ball in fairly warm conditions, but they just tackled their backsides off, mate. They really, really, really put in a big effort for their last game for this first season in 2022. Um, no, they, they were great. They scored a couple of nice tries too, you know. There was plenty of ball movement. We just need a halfback. Those, those girls, we just, we just yeah. like a little polish, you know, and a, a good halfback will fix a lot of the issues in that team, I think. So the Dragons beat the Roosters 16-10. to 10. Um, The Broncos uh, ended the Eels season 38 points to four. Uh, it's almost like they took offence to losing a game last week. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the, the Knights were um, were more than valiant in defeat. They were um, they were ahead for the majority of the game, and it was a last-minute uh, last try that, um, that, that lost it for them. Yeah, you know, I felt bad for the girls because, yeah, you're right, they led 6-0 for the majority of the game. Tides went bang-bang, led 10-6. The girls hit straight back to Fatanol and... Um, yeah, that last try, don't, you know, credit to the Titans. They went 100 metres on that set to, to get in a position to score. It was, um, they were just a little bit too good in the end. Um, it was a really strong start for the for the girls in terms of the try from Paige Parker. Like, it was it was messy, and but it was all about um, effort. And I think for a team that was playing with essentially nothing to play for but pride, uh, that was a great way to start the game. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I was a bit worried about today. I thought the girls might be a bit flat, the trip away, um, you know, and the, as you said, nothing really to play for, and the Titans having everything to play for. But, no, they came out really strongly, the girls, and, yeah, that, that was an effort try, which was a great start to any game. Um, we did ride our luck a fair bit um, throughout the game, but you sort of, I mean, you know, how many times have we sort of uh, lost to teams that we say, well, they they got lucky? And, you know, sometimes you really do make your own luck. Um, but, I mean, three second-half tries conceded to the Titans, uh, one of them right at the death. Or maybe? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it, was a, it was a funny game, wasn't it? It was a, yeah. really, it was, it was a really funny game, like... You sort of felt like Titans were winning by lots, but they weren't. The mm. Knights were in front for it. Um, yeah. I sort of, I was out to lunch. I was sort of watching on the TV as I was eating, and it was just one of those games, sort of, the girls really, really, really didn't look like they were going to win, but they were still in front. And then you sort yeah. of thought, hang on, it's like they might hold on here. Um, but, yeah, no, it didn't go their way. Um, so the season's over now, at least, and, and to remember, that's – We've still got the 2022 campaign to look forward to in a few more months. Um, do you reckon many of the like? Do you reckon many of the girls will still be around come kickoff later this year? It's a funny one. It's obviously all the local girls. You know, Phoebe Desmond, Caitlin Johnson. All those girls will still be around. Um, I have a feeling Romney might stay around for at least for this 2022 season. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Most of the key, the Warriors are back in. The Kiwi girls will go home, obviously. But if not, mm-hmm. if the Warriors are still not in, you know, they'll, I feel those will probably stay. Um, no, I, I, I think we'll probably, probably maybe six or seven of those girls will still be around. I think uh, Kira Dibble will still be around. Yep. Um, Phoebe Desmond, has she cemented herself as a sort of um, local hero, as it were, or um, a bit of a sort of a cult hero for the team? 
She had a great run during the game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. She's the 100%. She's the butt still. Um, Caitlin Johnson is chief. Yeah, definitely. You know, she's just no, a machine, mate. She just runs runs over defenders and works all day. Now I'm a big Phoebe Desmond guy. I thought Romy probably had one of her, but like her, maybe her best game of the season today. Um, carried the ball strong. Um, you know, she sort of put in a bit of a captain's knock to finish the season on a high. That sort of indicates to me that maybe she's keen to make up next season for the lack of wins that we had this season. Yeah, she certainly, you know, last week there was a few signs of, you know, you sort of think yes, she sort of half half mentally checked out, but no, today mm. she was she was really good. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I think she wants to go around because she certainly showed that she's got some pride in that jumper. Forty-five kick return meters, forty-seven post contact meters out of one hundred and fifty-three uh, all round. So she was um, she was probably our best player on the day. I still think that there's a lot to like about this team. Um, but as you say, we really do need a halfback in there to direct the park. Sorry, to direct the team around the park a little bit more, and maybe more economically and efficiently utilise some of the good work that we are doing. Yeah, absolutely. We just we just like polish. We like a halfback. We lack a bit. We lack a bit of finishing on the edges. Yeah, we just like polish. The the, the forwards, you know, they go forward and they they tackle well. Um, it's just polishing the team, mate. We're not far off at all. We, you know, we, we sort of the the dragons was the only sort of disappointing loss of the season. The others, you know, we were in we were in those games really really strongly. But um, no, I I think it's a lot to take out of that season. I'm just having a look at the um at the table now. So obviously we finished bottom with with no wins, which which is disappointing. Um, but overall, like you know. We, we, you turn around, and you always say this when you've sort of when you've just missed out, and you look at the what ifs and what abouts. We were kind of always on the back foot from that first round loss when we lost by a field goal, and you lose Caitlin Johnson. We had a short off season to or a short preseason to begin with. It was, and then coming up against Brisbane again in round two, it, it was so hard to get back up from that um, from that first round loss in the end. Yeah, that's right. We took the wind out of the girls' sails, and that uh, put on top of it with the um, the loss of Caitlin. That really, that really hurt the season. I think if we win that Parramatta game, and Caitlin plays the season. I think you know, I think we would have been pushing towards the finals. Absolutely. Um, in the end, though, we saw the worst, well, the worst attack, worst defence, worst points diff. No, um, no losses. Um, Again, you can't be too hard on them. I think the performance was really what we were looking for. Um, but, yeah, they, I think they just sort of need to take the next few months to look at what it is they want to achieve next season, what it is they want to get for playing for this team and um, be honest and realistic with their goals. If it, you know, if you want to win a comp in a six-team uh, competition, what do you need to do in the off season to, you know, go about making that happen to perform with, with the likes of the Broncos and the Dragons? Yeah, that's right. And I think a few of those girls have now, will now realise they can play at that level. Um, oh, definitely. There's a bit of, uh, oh, how would you say? There's a, there's a, I think, and Romy was a, a bit of a one of these two where they weren't used to that physical nature. Romy was used to being able to sort of run over people, and she couldn't yep. do that at this level. So I think yep. there was there was a bit of a bit of a shock factor in that for a while for a few of the girls. But then that that, that sort of massive jump from the state league to the NRLW caught a few of them out maybe. But that that'll be all you know what they're used to for the next competition. 
No, I um, I think there's a really nice base for a team there. And if we can get some of the local talent back, you know, just two or three local girls mixed in with a with, uh, Tasha Gale, who've got a lot of really, really talented young ladies. Um, mm. No, I think I think we've got the basis of a really successful side, and we can build into a, you know a perennial contender. Um. The girls did. I, I still think the girls did. Um, did the team and the club proud? I, I don't think they were ever embarrassed. And I think when we say, "Oh, the the Dragons game was a disappointing loss," we say that because you know I think they sort of set high standards as well. And that was a tough game to watch at home. Um, we sort of thought that they'd, um, you know, a couple of things would go a bit differently. Obviously, losing Prasad uh, early didn't help. Um, but when we say disappointing, it's 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 more because we sort of um, we had high expectations, and and I think they'd be disappointed as well. I think their expectations were quite high coming into the season. Yeah, absolutely, mate. The, yeah, the Dragons loss was only right, only disappointing because you know the standard had been set a bit higher than that. The the Bron- mm. in the game against the Broncos, we showed that we can compete with the best. Now the Broncos didn't blow us away at all. Um, no, the Dragons. We uh, there was times where we were really worried that we were going to be you know a team that get fifty put on us every week. Yep. You know, so we've gone from that to we're competitive in four out of the five games. No, um, there's yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing that we are to be ashamed of with that season. They've really, really, um, sort of given it everything that everything they can, and it'll only help them going into the next season. I think it'll help the coaching staff too. You know, I, I rate Casey's a coach, and it's the first time he's coached at that level. So you know, he'll learn some lessons, and the Knights as a whole will learn some lessons as a club. You know, where they need to spend some money and and what they need to adjust in terms of their preparation. No, I think it's a really good learning experience, and it's so it works out so well that that's the twenty-one season, and they don't have to wait till next year now. They've only got to wait, you know, another three or four months, and they're into it again. Yeah, no, exactly right, and this sort of um, that fire, hopefully, that fire can sort of keep burning for a little while, and um, and they can stay, you know, they can stay fired up come round one next season, mate. Very quickly, uh, Broncos team to beat. Are they are they the sort of um, uh, champions in waiting, or will the um, did the Dragons waste their win on them? Um, oh, sorry, no, 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 sorry, the Titans beat them. But uh, can the Dragons yeah. uh, give them a run for their money? Um, the the Broncos aren't home and hose. The Dragons have got you know on their day the Dragons are a very capable side. But the Broncos are to me they're ten percent above everyone else. If the Broncos are at their best, yeah, they just win. But you know, if they're, if they're below, if they're below um, their best on Grand Final Day, the Dragons can certainly knock them off. Oh, great! And look, you know, we we don't mean any disrespect to the Titans and Roosters as well. Um, I think the Titans will more than um, uh, aim up against the Dragons. Roosters will have a lot to play for as well in their um, in their. I think is, is this their first finals campaign in the NRLW? Um, but certainly at the second. moment. Okay, all right, but you know, Roosters have come in fourth. Um, the Broncos and the Dragons are the clear favourites, and uh, yeah, should be a good final series. Yeah, you know, the the you know obviously the Broncos have seen that team, but they're all pretty evenly matched. Like the Roosters got a lot of chillers in that team. Like they've been a bit disappointing for mine this year. On their day, they could produce anything because, yeah, as I said, you know they've got a stack of chillers. You know they've got points to burn. They've got some really solid middle forwards. You know, and they've got a heap of old genies as well. Um, no, yeah, the Roosters are clearly the fourth best team there, I think. But even on mm. their day, like they, they can, I don't think they could beat the Broncos, but they could beat the other two easily. Mate, I'll, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. We didn't um, prepare for this, but um, in review, your know, Knights' favourite player, favourite moment, uh, and expectations for next season. 
Uh, my favourite player is Phoebe Desmond, no doubt. Um, my favourite moment would probably be the length of the field try um, down in Wollongong. Oh, against Frez. The yeah, yeah, Frez, yeah, um, yeah. That was that that was that was really really fun to watch. But no, I um, you yeah, know, I, I really enjoyed watching the girls play. They played a physical style of football. Um, you know, Romy scoring the club's first try was obviously pretty special. But um, no, I I think that yeah, that Fresno moment was probably the, the, that bit of class for the season. But no, um, yeah, there's a lot of girls there that really sort of impressed me. To be honest with you, um, my favourite moment was absolutely the Romy uh, first try for the club uh, at Marathon Stadium. <laughs> Jeez, as oh, there's marathon, a, you're right the first time. at Marathon Stadium. Um, with the, with the way the crowd reacted, the five and a half thousand watching. Uh, cheering on, it really did feel like it was 1988, and and you just you just really did feel like the crowd, um, like this town uh, actually has embraced uh, the NRLW team. Um, so that was uh, definitely favourite moment for me of the season. Uh, Jamie Frassard was my favourite player this year. She um, and I think if anything, the reason for that was just how much she was missed when against the Dragons, or at least how much it, you know, for all intents and purposes, it looked like she was missed. Um, but again, I could you could have picked uh, Phoebe Desmond was another one. Um, I'm still a massive fan of uh, Caitlin Viacola. I thought she had a great game today against the uh, Titans as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think top four. I think uh, simply for the fact that we stay fit, you switch around those two close losses that we had. Well, there's your there's your two wins uh, to get. And, and in fact, those two wins would have been against the two teams that finished above us, the Roosters and the Eels. So, bang, there's your four points to get you in the finals there. So, um, definitely, absolutely should be aiming for top four. Let's get a halfback in. Um, who, no, sorry, let's get a, a halfback who wants to control the team and move it around and, um, yeah, bring on season 2022. Yeah, I really hope they put out the call to Kate Marine to come home. Um, yeah, she's such a good halfback. and She's still only quite young, and she's exactly what we need. She's got a good kicking game. She directs the team. Um, now I really, really, really hope that they get Kate when they come home. Down the blind, Mate, we uh, we wrap up the NRLW season. We move on to the NRL season. Um, mate, we're three rounds in. Great footy. There is some great footy being played. It's uh, it's a fun competition to be watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, it's still PVL, P, PVL ball of some description, but it's certainly not the touch footy was last year. Now I've really enjoyed it this year. It's it's open enough. It's open enough. You know, some really good attacking play, but it's not just people running into holes because the entire defence can't keep up. Um, no, it's been really fun to watch so far. Dragons um, capitulated to the Sharks, 36-12, to 12, to open up the round. Warriors fell over the line against the Tigers in the worst game thus far, 16-12 to 12 out at Campbelltown. Uh, game of the round for me thus far has been the Rabbitohs' win over the Roosters, 28-16. to 16. That was a bit of a boil over. Panthers got the job done against the Knights, 38-20. to 20. Uh, We'll obviously talk about that in detail. Mate, for pure roller coaster stuff though, the games that came after us uh, yesterday is why you love rugby league. Eels in uh, extra time, twenty-eight to twenty-four, with a winning try off the post from a field goal attempt, and then the Raiders with the reverse fade, twenty-four to twenty-two over the Titans, coming back from twenty-two nil down. 
great round of football thus far. Yeah, absolutely. The games last night were great, weren't they? I um I tuned into the Canberra Titans game at um half time, twenty two to four, and I sort of went, Oh, this is, you know, this is this will be interesting because obviously Canberra's got the reputation, but the Titans are another team that they can build some big leads and, and blow them like they did against the Broncos <laughs> last year. Um, and I just thought this is this would be interesting, you know, whether if Canberra get back into it, um, how the Titans will react and they reacted how I suspected they would. They absolutely shut the bed. <laughs> Uh, highlight of this uh, of the round thus far has been the um, Valame uh, hit on Brimson. That was pure, oh, unadulterated, oh. premeditated murder. Oh yeah, um, he's he's got generations of family in pain from that. What did you make of the um, of the Ray Stone sort of winner for the Eels? I, th- I think. I think that game, forget the loss, whether they won or lost, uh, lost uh, that game really did raise a few questions about uh, Melbourne Storm this year. Yeah, it actually, it's funny because, I've, I, as you know, I haven't been high on Parramatta. But also, Melbourne, I sort of thought Melbourne would not, yeah, they wouldn't drop out of the eight, but I thought they'd take a step back because then, you know, they haven't got the depth fish in the middle they used to have. And I think both teams were exposed in that sense. I think that Parramatta's mental weakness was exposed because every time Melbourne put the blowtorch on and they just carve them open. But mm. Melbourne got rolled. Like, their they're, they're, um, middle forwards are really... And Josh King, Josh King, I'm not going to include Josh in that because he played really well, but the rest of them are old and slow. And Parra exposed them. Um, in going into the golden point, I, I, I would have loved to have the house on Parramatta just because of the fact that I didn't think the Melbourne forwards would be able to stop rolling through the middle to getting in position for the field goal. There was... Th- there was a double murder in um, the NRL uh, yesterday. Ryan Pappenhausen got buried um, by oh, can't remember the but the Eels didn't see that scoring. one. Have to look for that one. Oh yeah, Pappy just got um, absolutely brutalised. Uh, I think um, Mika Sebo on Tedesco uh, in scoring oh, right. that try. Oh, so. got run over, did he? Yeah, right. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, okay. Hey, mate, I, I, I want to talk to you about the Tigers-Warriors game, if only because that sort of follows on from a lot of what we had to say about the Tigers against uh, us last week, which um, which we didn't get to air. Um, I, I'm sort of going to play a bit, a bit of devil's advocate here. H- how bad are things for the Tigers? Are, are they really as bad as the 0-3 start suggests? Uh, yes. But um, but okay. I'm, but, I want to stop you. There. I want to stop you there for just. To me. Yeah, now because I want to stop you there for a moment, if only to say, good friend of the pod, um, um, Hannah Prince at Princess Hannah on Twitter has gone to great lengths to point out they got a lot of players out through injury and suspension at the moment, and so they are sort yeah. of running on. A, they are playing with a much much thinner squad um, than My than their full strength team. Is, only one of those is a good player. That's my pushback. They got, they, there's no doubt they got a lot of players injured. Only one of those players yep. makes them better. Do we? Sean Bloor is a great player, but he's not going to make them any better. They've got guys that can yeah. do what Sean Bloor does, you know. They've got lots of guys injured, you know. Tommy Talao, they've got lots of guys injured, but Adam Dewey is the only player that actually would make them a better team. Yeah. And he'd make them significantly better, significantly better, which is why I said it's not as bad as people are making it out. I don't think they're going to get the wooden spoon, but they've deserved beyond three. They haven't, they haven't played well at all yet. Who are you still tipping for the spoon this year? Oh, the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are, are locked and loaded. Yeah, right. They got the worst. They got the worst roster in the NFL by a long, long way. Uh, did they? They did a pretty good job on the Raiders the weekend before, though. 
They're yeah, up eight six at the moment year. over the Broncos. They, they do that every year. They start well early when the warm weather suits them. Yeah. Last year, don't forget they were pushing uh, for the eight when they built it us, and they almost got the spoon. Yeah, I, I want to talk. I want to go back to the Tigers again because I was fairly uh, active on the socials on Friday night in terms of Madge. I, I don't think Madge is the person for the Tigers at the moment, I, but I don't think Madge is the problem either. Um, is moving is moving Michael Maguire on the way to go for the Tigers, or do they do they need to look elsewhere to change things up? I don't think Michael Maguire is a problem, but he needs to be moved on. That's just it's simply not working. Yeah. He's he's um, yeah, that's right. He, his blustery coaching style doesn't suit the type of roster they've got. He do, he obviously doesn't mesh well with Luke Brooks, which is a big issue. And people think, well, what does it matter? Well, you've got a $900,000 halfback that your coach can't get along with. That That's an issue. Um, now, I think I think Magic will get a job somewhere else and do a really good job and probably might, might be a, uh, an old premiership contender in the, in the near future. But the Tigers need to move on. Um. Luke Brooks unfortunately remains the the man of the moment in respect of being the lightning rod for the criticism. More and more, they're talking about how he just he simply doesn't want to be there. Um, they've held on to him because they wanted to wait until Adam Dewey came back. Should the Tigers have just cut him loose and let him go and started afresh? Well, they're all because they're zero and three anyway. See, my my issue with the Tigers, where I think their biggest mistake has been, they won't admit where they are as a club. They won't tear it down and rebuild it. They Every year they want to try and, you know, which is why they keep finishing ninth, because they had the ninth best team. They would, you know, they, 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 that was the thing. They, they weren't quite a finals team. They would never, they would never start to rebuild. And as they've slowly gone backwards, they've, they've won enough games where they justify, oh, next year we've got such and such, so that'll make us better. But they don't. They always, they're mm. always sitting in that, in that same basket for a decade, decade now. They, um, that they need to, Sit down, admit to themselves, and admit to the fans that they need to rebuild the entire thing. And yeah, so Luke Brooks you... is going to cost them a fortune to move him on, but it's cost them a fortune now playing him and losing. Okay, so where, okay, so where do you start? It, it, the 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 Tigers hire you as an external consultant to cats come in and say your way goes, fix our club. What's the first thing you do to fix the West Tigers? I move Luke Brooks on and pay probably five hundred thousand of his contract and just eat it. Hundred percent, no, no doubt at all. The first thing I, that's the first thing I do. The second thing I do is I, I then take um, what we've got spare and I uh, try and find a hooker. They need they need a hooker and a halfback desperately. Um, I would, or the the other option to me would I'd play um, Hastings at hooker. I think Hastings would do a really good job at hooker. Um, there are two hookers they've got now, both talented youngsters, but they they've had long enough. And they haven't proved themselves to be first graders, um, but then I would then I would start playing the kids purely in position and leave them there. They Madge because Madge is a winner and he wants to win and there's a lot of pressure on him. He's chopping and changing that forward pack too much. It changes every week, and some of that's because of injury. Fair enough, but it can't change every week like it does. We we had that experience with Brownie. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Players don't develop. Um, no, and I, it's the yeah, uncertainty Brooks, as well. Brooks because players like play. Sorry, mate. All I was going to say was players, they want to be comfortable. And when you put them on edge each week, like it's like you used to say, we used to see the, the effects firsthand with some of the Knights players where some players wouldn't, wouldn't know what they were doing until a week, an hour before kickoff. And when that happens week after week after week, it starts to play with your head. Yeah, that's right. They, they, they would look terrified. Some of those Knights boys, when they were getting hired, they would look terrified thinking, you know, well, I'm going here, my spot's gone, I'm probably going to get the sack. 
You just can't mm. do that with youngsters. You did. You just can't. Like, what if you? There are two ways you do it. You do it the Melbourne way, where you just blood them in there very slowly, and they play five minutes for a, a game for a season. You know, and then they graduate to twenty for another season before they even think about you know being regular sort of you know at least half a game players. Or you do it the way the Knights should have done it and pretended they were doing it, but they didn't really. We just build the whole, tear the whole thing down and just let the kids play. And that's what we should have done, but we didn't do it to the right extent. I think we still put too much pressure on all those kids, and they were in and out of the team. But um, yeah, you you can't have it where you. Mixing and matching youngsters, it just doesn't work. They just don't develop. The Cowboys got the same issue. It's exact same issue the Cowboys have got. They, their young players aren't developing. Helam Lukey has not come on this year like people thought he would because he's on the bench. You just can't chop and change. It's mentally deflating to players. What about off the field, mate, in terms of the administration? Like I said, you're a consultant who's come in. You've been told your way goes. Do you clear out the administration and just start again? Oh, Pasco's gone. Because that's Pasco's the biggest. Because that's what Pasco's biggest cancer in that club. Because that's what he's, we did with he, the Knights. That when, when West. Ca- yeah. Well, because all um, I was going to say he, is that the way he presents, <laughs> the way he's presenting, sorry, the way he's presenting himself in the Tiger um, documentary things, he is yeah. an absolute joke, mate. He comes across as a fool. He dresses like yeah, a fool. Yeah. He's got a haircut like a fool. He acts like a fool. <laughs> Professional sporting organisation should, should not be run like him. Um, yeah, cool. I, I would. I would put Sheensy back in charge of the whole thing. Because all I was going to say was, in terms of the Knights, we didn't start performing well on the field until we got things right off the field. And it wasn't until West's group took over and said, right, we're running this like a professional sporting organisation where everything's focused towards winning. We, we magically went back into finals. It was it was literally that quick. And West made plenty of mistakes initially, you know, but they were smart enough to quick, quickly fix them. Once they realised that, you know, an appointment wasn't working off the field, they would just move on. You know, even down to the point where last year, Bailing Couples, couples and all that, Bailing Couples was doing, you know, an adequate job. I don't think he was doing a great job. He was doing an adequate job. But they went, no, this is not this is not progressing us, you know. We're, this is going to leave us as a bottom eight team. How do we become a top four team? So they went and got the best trainer in the competition. That's what good teams do. And I think to a certain extent as well, that was one of the reasons why for me, uh, you know, it makes sense to move Madge on. And I agree with what you say about the players as well. You've got to move players on as well. It's because the Knights for too long sat and hoped that things would come good with players. Whereas you look at the Roosters, the Storm, um, uh, even, uh, you know, even, yeah, those, those big teams that have maintained success, you've got a couple of seasons. They gave, the Roosters gave Kyle Flanagan one season and they made top four and they still moved him on. And so sometimes you just, you know, you, you take too long waiting for these things to work and it just does more damage. And they, and the Roosters really know the right players to stick with. Like Nat Butcher is an example, okay? Three or four years ago, he was the gun youngster. He was, you know, um, everyone on everyone's lips. But he barely got a game. Even when he'd come in, he'd play a week, you know, he'd get 10 minutes and he'd back in reserve grade. And even as much as last year, he's still with their injury crisis. He wasn't playing a lot. But this year... He's taking English Cryant and starting spot because they just knew yeah. he was the he was the man. They they knew all the talent he had, and they knew that the the way he plays and that he needed to physically be ready to play first grade. So they, they stuck with him. They don't stick with the wrong players, you know. That's that's the difference. They'll move on. Yeah, you Kyle Flanagan's on the game. No, you're not good enough. But they'll ride it out with the guys they know that will come good. It's a really it's almost impossible to do it as well as they do. But they they do it better than anybody. 
Yeah. No, I um, I 100% agree with you, mate. Uh, the Panthers, sorry, the Panthers were the third team I was obviously thinking of in terms yeah. of, yeah. you know, knowing when to hold them and when to when to fold them. Mate. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Brett, you and I obviously interact with a lot of West Tigers fans, and uh, on the whole, we generally sort of uh, enjoy those interactions. So uh, if any of them are listening, we're actually not trying to alienate any of them. I think a lot of the experiences that we're sort of talking about come from what we went through with the Knights. And, and I think there's a lot that we went through that we can sort of see could be applied to where the Tigers are at at the moment to make them the, the successful club that, to be honest, a lot of their fans deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that's the thing, mate. Like, I, I don't think it's good for the game, let alone for Tigers fans, to have a team that doesn't make the finals in 10 years. Like, our three wooden spoon years, yeah, will go down and probably never be matched. But I'd cop that over the fact that they haven't looked, they haven't looked like playing, making the finals for 10 years. You know, in that 10 years, what, we've played four yeah. final series? Um, yeah, no, I, I, this is not having a go at the Tigers. I just think that their, their administration doesn't do their fans and their clubs justice. Yeah. And they definitely they definitely deserve better. Right, let's uh, let's tie a knot in that and um, move on from the rest of the comp. It's time to jump into the big game of the round. Top of the table clash. Panthers hosting the Knights out at Pat Carrington Park, Bathurst. Panthers won thirty eight to twenty. The Knights were leading six four. Deep into the steep into the first half, things changed. Tough loss. It was a tough loss, Brett. No, whatever external stuff comes from this game, and there'll be a lot this week, it was a tough loss. Yeah, it was a tough one to take because we had them on, we had them for the taking. That's what that's what hurts. We did. You know, like yep. I don't care about the result in terms of thirty out of twenty. I think, and I think I was pretty proud of the result, but it hurts because we had them. You know, we really, really showed we can open them up if we want to. Um, you know, the, their attack was looking okay, but they weren't they weren't going to carve us to pieces. Now it hurts because we, we had a chance to knock the Premiers off and be 3-0. and The Panthers and the Knights exchanged uh, early tries, or uh, at least the Panthers got on the board in the first 10 minutes um, through Tail and May. Um, I knew immediately that this was a different team, though, because I was watching it with my other half, and I said, we absolutely have to be, We have to score next. We cannot let uh, the Panthers score the first two in a row, or that is game over. And uh, in the 18th minute, um, off a beautiful scrum play, uh, Dominic Young just cruises in um, to score the try. We get the conversion, 6-4, and, mate, we looked we looked like a good team. Yeah, absolutely. We were really rolling, and that was a lovely bit of work from Gags for that try. They read the numbers nicely. Gags put a bit of footwork on, and then the perfect giddly flick. No, we um, yeah, we we were really playing well at that stage. I thought. So half an hour goes by. Um, I was I was chatting with uh, someone, uh, sorry, one of our followers from um, I think Steel City Performance uh, uh, Training, and he was sort of saying you did get the feeling before the thirty second minute event that things were starting to turn a bit. Like the Panthers were getting their moment to get back on top. I think there was a Leo Thompson penalty. But 
you never felt for a second like we were about to get rolled. No, that's right. Yeah, they, they're the Panthers, you know. Even missing players, they're going to have their moments in the game. And we were, yeah, we were scrambling a little bit, but we were holding them okay. They were having their moment. We were holding them okay. Even if they'd scored, I'd no doubt we would have then, when we had our chance with a better possession, that we would have come back and hit the front again. That That's the thing. Like, we were, we were just playing the Melbourne style of game where, yeah, they'll have their moment. They may put one try on, but they won't put two tries on. And that's where that bit of the game felt. Okay. So um, we get to the 32nd minute. Now, I, I, haven't had, I actually haven't had a chance to watch the game again, but it, it, something – so the Panthers completed their set in attack, which we managed to hold out or because we were about to get possession, and then the referee, Peter Goff, holds his hands up and he says the bunker is reviewing something in the background. And – when I was watching it, I thought – I was so focused on the Adam Clune tackle, I thought that they were about to penalise us for a high tackle from Clune. I, I wasn't looking anywhere near what was going on in the background of that play. So I thought we were about to be penalised for a, sl- a mildly high shot by Adam Clune. I, I just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, well, Chris Smith had been laying down in the middle of the field – most of that set, and I was surprised the ref played on. I thought, what's going on here? You know, this guy's pretty hurt, and he's essentially yeah. right between the play of the ball and the defensive line. Like, it's pretty dangerous. And then the set played out and whatnot, and then, yeah, he said, oh, we're going to look at something in the background. I'm like, you, I thought well, they, they're looking at the Clune thing. And initially, I thought Clune must have hit Smith, and that's why he was down. I thought, oh, no, no, that's how Clune's hit was right at the end of the set. So it can't be that. I'm thinking, what are they looking at? And it wasn't until, and then even then, it wasn't until actually Warren Smith picked up. Like, oh, look, Mitch Barnett in the background. I've gone, well, what is he looking at? And then you see mm-hmm. it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is bad. Okay, how long from when you first saw it did you realise it was going to be a send off? The moment I saw the arm cocked. The yeah. thing was the second replay they showed it, sort of where you could literally see the arm cocked at his head. And as soon as I seen that all by cocked, I went, yeah, he's gone. It, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it took me a while, if only because I could not believe what I was seeing. I, 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 I was almost in a stage where I was like, surely that hasn't happened, or surely that's a bad camera angle. Like, I just. I just couldn't believe. That, that was what I thought on the first time. On the first thing, I thought it might be just the angle. And he sort of like pushed him with his arm. Because Mitchell quite often, yeah. when he you know, when he gives away a penalty, it'll be pushing with his forearm into the shoulder and that, into the top hype on the chest. And I knew the first replay, that's what I thought he'd done. But no, yeah. Once you saw the replay where it actually showed the elbow cocked in the contact, yeah. He was gone. Um, we're only about 24 hours removed from from the event itself it's been um there's been a lot of back and forth amongst night fans amongst the nrl community uh since it's happened i guess the first thing you know we'll get it out of the way it, it's a clear send-off there's, there's no argument about it yeah no no nope 100 um yeah had to go no doubt Bredo, you you've played more rugby league than i have um as a player when you, can, I've got to ask you, like, what goes through a player's head, whether it be to do something like that? And I'm certainly not saying you did things like that, but what goes through a player's head to do something like that, or as a teammate to be on the field 
and see your teammate do something like that? What 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 are the players thinking in that moment as they're watching the replay up on the big screen? Well, I'll go to, I'll go to that part first. I was participated in a game where one of my teammates literally closed line the guy in the background, broke his jaw. Um, plain as day, the guy. I think I think he might have got. 20 week suspension, something in that sort of range. Um, and you just feel sick because you're just like, well, I can't defend my, my guy. Like, that's gross what he's just done. I can't defend my player. Um, we're screwed now. We, you know, we're going to be working our ass off for the next whatever's left in the game. And you feel sorry for your opposition. You're like, well, I kind of hope these guys give us a give us a towel up because after that we deserve it. It just you just feel you just feel so flat and let down. That someone you know that's on your side of the field in your jersey's done that to an opposition player. I was so actually surprised that I was actually surprised that the discipline showed by Penrith. Really impressed with Penrith's discipline because I, I, a lot of clubs once they've seen that replay, would fifteen of them would have been running off all parts of the stadium to bloody try and take Mitch Barnett's head off. It's actually really funny that you say that, mate, because I've actually been so caught up in the Knights' fallout from it. You're, you're absolutely spot on. The fact that the Panthers are such a sort of disciplined unit that they just went about their business doing what they needed to do on the field to win the game, it says a lot about where they're at as a club um, in general, not just the team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I, don't, I don't even know. Like Honestly, if that was a Knights play, like that, that was completely reversed. I might, I would probably be a little filthy that, you know, one of the big night clubs didn't go and land one on his chin, and that's not yeah. right. Like that's not the right approach. But yeah. dog shots are dog shots. Like that's, you know, that's not, and that's the thing about the, the, the incident. To me, yeah, it's a brain explosion. Mitch Barnett, you know, he's got that in his game. There's no doubt. This all, this rubbish that you know, it was a one-off thing is ridiculous. But but he's not, a, you know, he's not a dog shotter. You know, like hot, laid elbows to people's heads. He's not. A regular part of his game. He's not Denny Williams, um, but yeah, like it's really surprising to me that no one just went, "Well, this guy's got to go down." Mm-hmm. And um, it's you know credit to Penrith, absolutely credit to Penrith because yeah, if that was a reverse, I'd be calling for Knights players to um yeah to take revenge. We'll talk a little bit more about sort of Mitch, um, you know, in terms of what happens after the game, where the club goes from here. In the game itself, though, I mean, the Panthers sort of, um, they take the penalty shot. It's six all. I'm not going to lie to you, mate. At that stage, I was thinking they'll, they'll put 50 on us. Like that, this afternoon is going to get so much more uglier than just um, than just um, elbows to the face. Like this, this has the potential now to end our season um, in eighty minutes because twelve men against um, this Panthers side, anything could happen. Yeah, I. It's funny now. I, I I had a feeling. I kept thinking to myself, this could be the season in terms of if if this just. If we just get blown away, we have 60 put on us, all that good work in the offseason, all that hard yakka, those two good wins are all for nothing, if you know what I mean. Like the confidence just gets drained out of yep. you. You know, yep. the, the, all of a sudden the pressure straight back under you, they're exactly what they, we thought they were. Or you, what happened where you, all the things that we thought we were going to see in that game we've been seeing in the first two weeks actually 
were the reason why we were right in the game up with five to go. It was really, yeah, it seems a little strange thing to say that, you know, down to 12 men, round three, your season on the line. And the season's not in line in terms of, oh, you know, you, you might make the 80 to lose that game or you get blown out. But I think the season on, is on the line in terms of the credit of the club, you know, the standing of the where we're at and if we're really taken as a genuine top-tier team. And I think we proved to a lot of people that we're not in the top two or three, but we're still in the top five or six. Uh, the Panthers went into the break sort of 12-6 up. I think the pa- the break sort of came at the best time for us. But the two tries that they did score, uh, did Dom Young get found out a little bit out on the edge? I, I don't think so, so much for the for the first one. Uh, sorry, for the second one. But certainly for the first one, you sort of felt like the Panthers had a lot more space than, say, we'd experienced against the Roosters, where we just feel, we just seemed to have them so well contained on those edges. Yeah, but that's because you're missing a defender on that side of the field. Um, you know, and so the whole system is thrown into chaos, if that makes sense. So, the, yep. so we've got to the point now where the system, the defensive system is dry, is ingrained into those guys. So we've actually seen the fruits this year of those guys know their role in the defensive line. And then you take someone out of it, and all, all of a sudden, throw them with the fact that you're fatigued more than you've ever been fatigued before. The whole thing turns to dust. And I think, and Dom's so young that even with gags inside him, they couldn't make it work. If that makes sense? Um, yeah, and I know exactly. Yeah, what but I, and that's the thing. Like, but I think Dom will learn a lot out of it because Dom would be would have good confidence after the first few weeks. But he's then now got a whole lot of stuff that he can take, and the coaching staff can show him you know, in their replays and, you know, in their little clips they send him to, to watch at home of why that thing fell apart, what yeah. he can do next time. And then if you can then work at how you can do it with 12 men, doing a 13 men's a piece of piss. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, I, I understand what you're saying there. All right, the, the second half didn't start too well for us. The next thing we knew, we're, we're sort of 18 points um, to six down. Down off the back of an Isaac Targo try uh, with with Crichton converting it, mate. At eighteen six down, fifty minutes into the game, did you still think we? I mean, did you still think we were even any chance by then? No, I, that was that that early try in the second half. I thought, oh, this might get nasty real quick. But the boys, yeah. the boys didn't allow that, which was great. I guess the the main player who didn't allow that was um, of all players, Tex Hoy. You, you've got to give credit to Tex for uh, the way he played yesterday. For 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 some of the for some of the uh, not backlash, but certainly some of the criticism that he copped, particularly last year, um, he's been tremendous for us the last two weeks. And he stood up. I thought he was the better of the of the fullbacks in yesterday's game uh, out at Bathurst. He um, carved. He opened up the Panthers and um, sort of got us back into the contest momentarily. Oh, clearly. He was definitely the best of the two fullbacks, no doubt. Um, it's an interesting one now, isn't it? You know, because when Tex first came in, we were all over Tex. You know, we were Hoy boys. Tex, mm. Tex were great. But then he's been so poor the last 18 months. You're just like, uh, you know, and, and and what is it? Did he have the yips? Was it, did he, had he fallen out of love with football? I don't know what it was. But I think Joey being back um, has really helped. And I said this on the pod that obviously no one heard last week. He just seems to be loving his football again, which yeah. Texas has got talent. There's no doubt about it. And we don't need him to be Kalen Ponga. If he can just be 
a good, genuine first grader. He's got a spot at this club for as long as he wants it. One of the things that we did talk about in last week's episode that didn't make it um, that didn't um, make it into onto the podcast apps was um, I wanted you to remind me to personally highlight uh, a moment in the last ten minutes of the Tigers game when uh, the Tigers dropped the ball and Gagai regathered uh, up on the forty up around the halfway line and Tex was back down our end of the field ready in his fullback position um, waiting for their kick and as soon as Dane Gagai regathered that ball and we had possession, Texoy was sprinting up into attacking position in readiness. Now, this is with 10 minutes to go and the game was already lost. But what we were discussing was those were those one percenters. Those are those those little effort areas that you can see this is a team that's really switched on this year, whereas opposed to the last two years, those are the kind of things where they'd sort of be like, ah, game's over. I don't have to go to too much effort. But there's that enthusiasm. There's that energy. But there's that that trained on trained mentality to be switched on for 80 minutes now. Yeah. And I don't doubt at all that since the day as he got there, he's bringing that Melbourne approach that that's what I want in my team. If you're not doing that, you're not going to get a spot in my team. That's not how I operate. And I don't doubt that's been drilled into them, but the coach has been constantly talking in the preseason and the early rounds about how, the players really care about each other. That time in Queensland, spending day, every day with each other, learning about their lives, learning about their families, they've really bonded and, be, and cared about each other. And when you're absolutely knackered and you can't move, it's the fact that you care about your mate gives you that impetus to just try all you can to get there. And it's in defence and it's in attack, it's both. It's all, and that's why you know, Bonding and Origins are a thing. Bonding and Origins is not a thing because it makes them better players. They're already, they're already the best players in the world. Bonding and Origin works because they want those guys to care about each other. And that's what, to me, that's what this team has shown. They have a real passion for helping their mate out. And you mix that in with the fact that as he's eliminated guys out of the team that he doesn't think, you know, will do those one percenters. So these guys all just needed that, you know, that little, you know, extra 2%. That um yeah that the, your Melbournes and that have from their experiences together because you know I think Bellamy, Bellamy's number one thing and Wayne Bennett's definitely Wayne Bennett's number one thing is the players care about each other and that's where you it's get successful teams. Because it's funny what you say in that regard. You know we all all like to crack on about well it's professional sport now. You know you you play for the paycheck and they want to win championships and it doesn't matter whether you're playing for a, a dollar or whether you're playing for a million dollars. Um, at the end of the day, the intangible in sport is that emotional connection that you have to what you're doing. And if you're not emotional, and this is, but this is the case across all employment, if you're not emotionally invested in what it is that you're trying to achieve, you're simply not going to be as good. And when it comes to professional sport, when it comes to a rugby league, that investment has to be not in just what you're doing individually, but the investment is in the people that you that you're doing the job with, which in rugby league is your, your fellow teammates when you take the field. Absolutely, and rugby league is a really lonely game in the sense of you know it's a gladiator sport. You know you can get yourself seriously hurt. So if you guys aren't bonded tight, you it, it would feel like the loneliest place on earth. Um, and I'm sure that you know in some of those dark days of the night, some of those guys just felt like they were out there by themselves which is why we had so many guys, you know, where they'd rush in and, and um, you know, just let the team down by making silly defensive mistakes and that. Um, it's a, Because of the nature of rugby league, 
you have to trust the guy next to you. You just have to. You can't be successful at any level of rugby league if you don't trust the bloke standing next to you. And I finally think we've got that. And we definitely had that. in, in And that was what made some pretty average teams we had in the early 90s, finals teams, because those blokes all just loved each other. Because you look through those teams yeah. and there's some god-awful players in terms of on paper in those teams. And they were making finals. Um, now it's it's but, it's the Alan McMahon part of the Knights, isn't it? you know, it's play you know, be the the guy that everyone wants to play with. That's yeah, what the Knights were built on, and I think that's what we're getting back. It's funny what you say, mate, about that bond, and and you you do start to see it in the Knights now. I guess yesterday's game sort of illustrated two aspects of that: is that one, the the team would have been even more let down by uh, Mitch yesterday, more so than any other season, because of that bond that they've now created. But then simultaneously, you and I are used to watching Knights teams capitulate after something like that happens, whereas we scored three tries in the second half yesterday, and they were all good tries. They weren't just sort of cheapies at the end. We scored three tries to get us back into the game, and at 28-20, with 10 minutes to go, suddenly anything was possible. Yeah, that was it. Like, I was starting to believe it. 28-20, I was thinking, we could really, you know, I didn't really... in actually think we'd win, but I thought we didn't really give them a scare yet. They, and we scored some great tries, like just really good rugby yeah. league tries. But what I will say is those other 16 blokes, they've been through something now. They'll remember that for their lives. For the rest of their lives, whether it's with the Knights, you know, where they're playing for another club, they'll remember the day after the defending premiers, they played 50 minutes with 12 men and they gave it their all. It's a really big for moment. And that's, and that's when Mitch... Mitch, I'm not saying Mitch will become an outsider, but that's the thing now where Mitch has to earn his trust, the trust of the, his teammates again. And that'll take a lot, a real lot. You are listening to the Bay 53 podcast. For 70 minutes, we, we took it to the reigning premier. And I, I don't want to hear this shit about, oh, Panthers had players out. Mate, both teams had play. Both teams were without their best players yesterday. I, I don't want to hear this garbage yes, about right. how... We're both missing our best player. That's the thing. We're both missing an, an, our top-tier prop, JFH Clemmer. Mm-hmm. We're both missing our number one winger, Hunt Tower. We're missing a lot of, you know, other fringe players. We're missing our starting hooker. They were missing, you know, one of their best edge players. Like, it was very similar what both things are missing. It's just mm. the fact that their guys have got bigger names, the people that are, oh, they're missing more. But in terms of the importance of the team, they were on the, all on the same level. I don't want to – it's always hard to, to, to say something uh, about the refereeing of a game where the – because the outcome didn't favour us, it sounds like I'm criticising Peter Goff. I'm not. I actually – uh, tweeted from a personal account. I thought the refs and the bunkers nailed it yesterday. I, I thought there was enough there that went both ways where either team could have been unhappy with it, and I think they got all the big decisions right. Um, what made what disappointed me, though, was that the finals 38-20 to 20 score line was not reflective of the game. It's a fair enough result. But the, the what disappointed me was the last two tries to the Panthers in the last 10 minutes um, were sort of off the, were off the back of... Um, uh, referees calls like they, they gave an, uh, an early penalty to um, or oh, sorry they gave a penalty to Panthers that sort of jogged them out of their end um, they scored off the back of that and then they regather off the restart and you know a, a 28 to 20 scoreline I thought was fair yesterday as opposed to the 38 to 20 which you know kind of looks like the, that extra man advantage 
um, paid it paid off in the end, and it did. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely didn't feel like a thirty-eight to twenty loss at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right; the, they got that piggyback penalty for that second last try. But he'd been giving them all game. So to me, that was just yeah. the case that the Knights were too tired to defend it like they'd been defending it the rest of the game. Because Penrith had given us plenty too, and we'd scored off them. Now we, we'd actually had now we'd actually scored quite a few points off. Um, getting piggybacks upfield. That's how he refereed the game. And we were just at the end, we were too tired to sort of defend that. But I was, it's funny, you know, like when they did that short kickoff and Penrith scored, went, well, why'd you kick it short for? You know, like you, you were just asking them to score again. Like you weren't going to win the game at that stage. You just uh, give it their field position to score again. I thought, no, well, that's that's a great sign because they're not thinking, oh, we'll just, def- you know, we'll just hopefully get beat by 12 here. Yeah. They were thinking, well, if we can get it back here and score, we're a chance to try and maybe get the golden point. So even at down 12 men, down 12 points with two minutes to go, they'll still try and win the game. So, that, yeah, that's a, that's a really good sign. But in the end, all it did was cost them field position. But, no, um, it's it's a really it's a really big tick for those guys that at no stage that they'd given up hope of winning the game. They weren't trying to just not get blown out. Mate, I'll, you know I've been a fan of these uh, stats the first two rounds, and um, one of the things I pointed out to you was the first and second round uh, was the first time that I can remember that uh, all of our back five have all run for 100 metres plus um, for the game. Uh, yesterday, Dom Young, 123. Bradman Best, 113. Inari Tuala, 114. Uh, Tex Hoy, 142. It was only Dane this time who didn't get the 100 metres. Uh, he fin- he still finished with 76. Our back five are still doing the hard yards. You know that that's three games in a row now, where um, we're getting good running meters out of our outside backs and our fullback. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the only, only reason Gags didn't because he was sort of trying to set up dumb a lot. He wasn't he wasn't really taking on his mantle as much, trying to sort of you know do that tackle busting stuff. He was sort of more yeah trying to get Dom into some space. He was also a bit more sort of cautious with the ball, obviously, knowing that we were we were tired. Um, yeah, we didn't have space. We couldn't really get around him because that man's short, so we weren't really going to that edge as lo- a lot. But, um, no, the backfire's been really, really impressive. And you listen to Adzi talk, and he's sort of always, you know, talking, hinting at the fact that Edric will be back soon. But who do you drop? And then Heimel, I, I would have thought Heimel was a walk-up start, and he's they're, they're talking him to be back in two or three weeks. Jeez, if Dom and Anari get dropped, that, that's that's tough scenes for those fellas. No, it's it's absolutely yeah, and we we've discussed that before. You know, when we've got four fit wingers, whoever the two are that miss, it's it's that's it's just. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that right now we're in a situation. Yes, two of our wingers do have to miss out, and uh, I don't think there's going to be any wrong answer there. No, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, obviously get that origin gags will be out, so one of those guys will play in the centres and that. But it's really good. Like, I, I think at the start of the year we all would have been a bit worried about our depth on the outside backs. But, no, we outside backs are good now. I think the only place that depth is an issue and, the, you know, the fact that Barnett's going to get a long suspension just adds to it as the edge. We're really, really thin on the edge now. Fitzgibbon out. Um, Barney's about to be out. Yeah. Um... Jack Johns is still coming back from uh, his his surgery as well. Yeah, there's um, it's starting to get pretty thin uh, in the forwards there. But I mean, as for the forwards themselves, who stepped up yesterday, Daniel Sofidi, first game of the year, he didn't miss a beat. 154 meters, uh, he took it to the Panthers team. 
Yeah, Dan's just Dan's just top class, isn't he? You know, you Dan yeah. Dan could Dan could come in off a cold start and and get that done every week. Now he's just an origin walk up now, Dan. Nothing he does surprise me anymore. He's exactly what we thought he was, and he's turned into what I think is probably the second best prop in the world. Uh, it was a tough day in respect of um, our forwards, you know, in general. I mean, Leo, Tom- Leo Thompson, 58 metres, Matt Croker, only 40. And I say only in terms of uh, once we went down, I mean, you know, you're just, you're just hanging on for dear life. And then by the time you do get the ball, you just sort of want to make sure that you don't drop it. Mate, you and I have been talking a little bit in the chat group and, and beforehand. Adam O'Brien for the last two seasons is adamant he's only going to play 16 players and that 17th will get a run if they have to. Five minutes for Jaira yesterday. Surely yesterday was ample opportunity to give Jaira a few more minutes. Um, at the very least, my thinking is just to ease the load, just to give someone else a bit more of a break. What What is the thinking there? What is Adam o- O'Brien trying to achieve by not utilising the 17th man? Yeah, I don't know, mate. Like, he adds enough run, runs on the board where we, we won't second-guess him. He's obviously got a plan to it because he does it every week and he's been doing it for a while now. So there's obviously a plan there. What that is, I've got no idea. It just made no sense to me. Even even the fact that it's Jaira, like, in that situation, you'd think, well, I need guys that can play big minutes. So you think Jaira would play, maybe Leo Thompson would play less minutes? Because, you know, because he was looking tired. That's why he didn't get many run metres. Every time he run the ball, he looked tired because he's not used to playing those minutes and having that sort of defensive workload. Um, yeah, just just that fact. Just the, not even just the fact that the 17th man is not playing. It's the fact that it was Jaira specifically really puzzled me yesterday. It's our first loss of the season. Mate, my concern, and I guess it wasn't going to so much be a con- If we'd finished the game with 17 players in a close loss, it wouldn't be a concern. But here's my concern. For the fourth year in a row, I think... I haven't done my stats check on that, but uh, I will definitely get back to you. But I'm, I'm absolutely uh, positive. 20, 2019, 2020, 21, and now 2022, we've won our first two games of the season and we failed to win our third game of the season. Mate, the game against the Sharks next week, I think is probably one of the biggest games go- that we've uh, faced as a club for the last few years because we lose that and our start is whatever we've done in those first two games once again it is absolutely no better than anything we've done for the last few years and we've wasted another opportunity yeah that's right and, and the other thing is the sharks are going to be you know a team that everyone's going to think they're competing with us for final spots it's a really, it's just a really big result because it means we can get a good jump on some teams that we sort of think will be, be in, in and around the eight with whilst we're playing quite a tough run. You know, if we can get a jump on a few teams like, yeah, the Sharks, um, the Raiders, the Broncos, you know, we because the Broncos, I'm just watching now, the Broncos are, are comfortable behind the Cowboys. Now, if we can get a bit of a jump on those sort of teams while we're playing a pretty tough run, that sets our season up, doesn't it? But we lose and we're back to two and two and two and two with the start, with the, like the games we've had is not a disaster. It's, it's quite solid. If you offered to me at the start of the year, I would have taken it. But after being two and oh, two and two would be a bit disappointing, wouldn't it? Two and two is very much disappointing when you've lost two in a row. So if we'd if we'd sort of if we get to if we'd gotten to the fifth round, uh, sorry. So if we get to round five and we're two and two off the back of a four of a round four loss, you sort of uh, like what I'm sort of trying to say is that um, yeah, it's it's those two losses in a row that sort of start to stick um, a little bit in your in your in your throat. Um, 
We're sitting third at the moment. I mean, and, then we've got mainly, and then we've got mainly at home, you know. You're under massive pressure playing mainly at home to be not with two and three then. It's, um, yeah, it, it, really, it really sets up the early part of the season next week, doesn't it? So we're sitting in sort of third at the moment. At the moment, my biggest concern yesterday was that our um, our points differential was about to take a huge, a huge flogging. Uh, it it wasn't too bad in the end, um, but one of the things that sort of has always concerned me. I've always focused on the Knights when it comes into uh, where we are on the ladder. I've always had a look at where our Defences, because even in the Andrew Johns era, I think we're still the worst defensive team to ever win a premiership. I'd always sort of like, we we still manage to always have the worst defence in the top eight. So at the moment, we're far from that. Um, But yeah, yesterday really did have the potential. You lose that game by 40, it blows out your differential. And in in a season this tight, in a competition this tight, those are the sorts of things that really could um, impact you come round 25 when you sort of uh, look into where you want to finish on the table. Yeah, and as we've all alluded to, you know, COVID's just going to be a part of this season yet. We haven't got into winter yet, which I think is going to be a, a bit of an issue with COVID. Um, so, you you know, you can get a really good solid differential. It might matter if you're really short-handed for a couple of weeks and you get a couple of touch-ups because you're still falling against like looking okay. But if your back's sitting near zero, maybe slightly negative, a couple of touch-ups all of a sudden, you're falling against hurts your season. Um, look, it, it was a, it was a shattering loss, but as you sort of said, it was it was a different loss. But again, I think it's a loss that will have it will obviously have much greater context in terms of what we do next Friday night. Now. Um, we'll get back to Mitchell Barnett, and obviously the social media—it was just—it just went absolutely nuts, as it always does whenever we do something good, and the social media amongst Knights fans goes absolutely nuts. Um, so I don't know whether this is sort of technically or you know technically correct in terms of what the current rules are, but I, my take on the Mitchell Barnett hit and what the suspension should be is. Uh, it's worse than what Clint Newton did, who got 12 weeks. It's not as bad as what Danny Williams did, who got 18 weeks. I think he should, if the NRL is serious about um, player safety, he should be getting somewhere between that. that. That would be appropriate punishment. And then on top of that, I think the club should then impose an internal suspension on him or an indefinite withdrawal from playing duties until he has ticked several pages worth of boxes to prove that he can be trusted on that field again. 100% agree. Um, I think in terms of suspension, I think the fact that it was the forearm and not the elbow that got him will stop him getting, yeah, 16 or 18 weeks like Daddy Williams got. I, th- I think because it's a forearm, I think I, I think it'll be 10 to 12. And I think I, I agree with you that it's worse than Clinton Newton's, but I, but I still think that the way sort of the PVL sort of era is and everyone's got clean records again, um, I think it'll be 10 to 12. And yeah. I, but I, th- I don't think that he should be looking at playing first grade this year because I think, as you're right, I think the Knights need to say, no, mate, you're only back to reserve grade. And I want to see you play 10, 15 quality games of football where we see none of this rubbish happen again. And then we might think about picking you next year. Because what's irritated me the most, and I'll be very clear about this, the, the thing that has actually irritated me the most about, uh, I haven't seen too many people defend it. In fact, nobody has really defended what he's done. But in terms of the punishment that should be laid out, everyone's like, oh, it's just a brain explosion. I'm like, oh, hang on. 
Well, that makes it worse. Because I don't want a player out there. We, you know, we spent the first two rounds talking about this is a disciplined team. This is a team now that plays for their 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 teammate. This is a team that goes out there and knows the job that they have to do. I don't want that liability going out there. If if Mitchell Barnett came out and said, "Look, I I just wanted to, um, you know, get a bit of um, physical presence in the game." I just wanted to let him know that I was there. It, it, you know, I, I saw an opportunity. It was it was dumb, and I obviously didn't do what I intended to do. That to me is better than a brain explosion because a brain explosion you don't know when the next one's going to come. That's right. People people carry on like a brain explosion is a good thing. No, a brain explosion is the worst possible thing because that means you have no idea when he's going to do it again. Like that's the thing. Like you're right. If he just come out and said, "Look, this is what I was trying to do. I was trying to shove him with my forearm into the chest," and bit of physical presence, and that still should have been a penalty because he never had the ball. But, okay, fair enough, Mitch. What you've done is disgusting, and you deserve to cop a long time on the sideline, but I'll cop that. But two things with Mitch. It's not the first time. He's got he's, he's had a career of cheap shots. They're not dog shots like that, not anywhere near like that, but cheap shots, definitely cheap shots. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the idea that a brain explosion is a good thing is ridiculous because the brain explosion, if you have a player that's, a chance of a brain explosion, he could cost you a grand final. Because are you confident that he, under the pressure of a grand final, under the emotion of a grand final, that Mitch Barnett wouldn't try to, you know, put on a shot just to lift his team and elbow someone in the head? Because I'm not. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so the other one as well that's sort of, um, the other one that's really irritated me, and I've been very vocal about this um, on, on, on the social media, is this line about, well, it's not in his character. And, I want to read something to you that came out. Bullshit! It's 100%. Well, I want to I want to read something to you that and and you and I don't know what goes on behind the closed doors of the Newcastle Knights. We're we're fans and we don't pretend to be insiders. We we call it in terms of what we the purpose we wanted to do with this podcast was we wanted to give a perspective in terms of. This is what fans see, and this is how we feel about the game. I want to read something that was uh, on the footy show earlier today from um, now coaching consultant Andrew Johns. He said he's let himself down and he knows that. I don't know what his excuse is there, but I know it's something he has really worked hard on to get this out of his game and out of his life. These moments of madness where he has impulsive moments and just does the most stupid things. You can't defend it. It's just inexcusable. He's worked so hard to get this out of the, his game, so it's disappointing. All right, so that's the end of the quote. That's from Andrew Johns, who's been coaching him. That is not something you say about someone who's done something out of character. Now, that tells me the club knows this is an issue. Correct. Oh, that to me says the entire club knows that, Mitchell, you have, you have these ridiculous moments where you let emotion get the better of you, and you do stupid shit, and and the club has clearly been working on it because Andrew said he's worked hard to get this out of his game. So the club knows about it. And his life, not just his game, out of his life as well. Yeah, because he's had, he's had some off-field stuff too, you know. Like as a young fella, he, you know, he had a bit of reputation as being a bit of a, a street thug too. Um, yeah, like this is you know Mitchell's Mitchell. Mitchell's a product of his environment. You know, he, he Mitchell the way Mitchell sort of um, come into grade. Come, he came into grade as an angry young man, and he sort of carried that on. He's not what he used to be, but it's still part of him. To say that it's not, you know, out of character is ridiculous. It's 100% in his character. And I'm not going to assassinate him because 
he does this stuff because, lo and behold, man, I've done some really stupid things in my life. I'm not going to assassinate, but what I'm going to say is that I don't want that in my rugby league team because one thing, it, it hurts the reputation and the um, standing in the community of the Knights as an organisation, but also it hurts their chances of winning on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can defend Mitchell and say, look, he's never done nothing like that before. And you'd be right. He's never done nothing like that before. But I don't think we're any of us surprised when we saw that the Mitchell Barnett was the one that did it. Um, I do want to talk about Adam O'Brien and his presser. And um, I think we'll sort of we'll close it out just with Adam O'Brien's um, take on it. Uh, I think there are two ways you could look at what O'Brien said in the press conference. You can say, look, he's just trying to brush over it and he didn't want to deal with it. I personally thought Adam O'Brien said everything that needed to be said. It's not to Mitchell Barnett's interest for um, Adam O'Brien to make a big public idea, um, uh, a big public show of laying into him. It is something that should be dealt with internally, and I think it uh, more than adequately addressed where Mitchell Barnett was about it when he said, "Well, he's obviously distraught about it because he should be." Um, I thought Adam O'Brien. He, he said what he needed to say, but I think the important thing as well for me was that when the players listened back to that, well, they know that they've got a coach who isn't going to make a big deal out of making them feel like dead, like dog shit for doing something wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, what I really liked in the whole statement was how he said, we will deal with it behind closed doors. So it's not we're brushing our It's not that, you know, we're just going to ignore that it happened. He's going to do his suspension, but nothing happened. The club know that something needs to be done about it. But in the media, it's not the place to do it. Because the old Knights, and we know a specific Knights, recent Knights coach, who's done at his current club, that he, put, he throws <laughs> their players under the bus. What we, what we love about Adam O'Brien is he doesn't throw his players under the bus. Because um, I guarantee you, Craig Bellamy wouldn't throw his players throw a player under the bus. Trent Robinson wouldn't, Wayne Bennett wouldn't, but I guarantee behind closed doors, those players that have the um, the paint would be coming off the dressing shed walls, and that's and that's what we expect from our coach. And um, yeah, I just loved it as he said, yeah, we we will deal with it behind closed doors. Perfect, mate. It is just quietly, easy. Mate. To... So we're talking about how short we are at back rowers. Uh, Nenai's just scored two tries in two minutes. Can we get him down here immediately? Uh, Clint Zammett, the uh, the Cowboys whisperer, get on that, mate, if you're listening. Um, Start talking to the people that matter and uh, and keep that just keep that that Cowboys production line sending them down to the hunter, mate. I um I want to finish at least on a positive note. I think the positive thing that came for me out of this game was you and I. I don't think we're um, saying anything surprising by admitting that we we were, we were pretty annoyed from the off season in terms of the way our team, uh, our players, our club has been represented or some of the opinions that have been expressed about um, the Knights, uh, certainly the men's team, it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty satisfying to hear a lot of opinions who were saying, uh, sorry, a lot of opinions that essentially said, yeah, it's possible we underestimated the Knights. They, they might be the real deal. I thought that was the best thing to come out of yesterday's game. Yeah, that was great. Well, there's quite a few of those too where guys are going, oh, yeah, the Knights, the Knights are the real deal. And I've seen a few where people are saying what I said earlier, that they're not top tier. They're not in the top two or three teams. They won't win the premiership, but they're but they're a finals team. Like They're a team that every year will pencil them in for the finals. And that's a great position to, be, to launch your premiership aspirations from. Uh, looking ahead to the Sharks game, 
do you, I'd like to think Kalen comes back. I mean, you and I sort of, we, you know, we went straight into, oh, minor injury for Kalen Ponga. Right, see you in two months. But it does sound like it was, uh, it's a, an MCL injury, one to three weeks. He was touch and go this weekend. He should be right for the Sharks. And he always, he always steps up for Sharks games for some reason. Yeah, the recovery report, the uh, Craig Caddick said exactly that, that he had to tick some boxes to make the Penrith game, but he'd be absolutely right for the Penrith game. Uh, sorry, for the Sharks game. So I'd, I'd be I'd be shocked if he didn't play. Um, but, yeah, and that's right, the Sharks are his bunny. Um, what, a hat trick the year before, the winning try last year. Now, um, honestly, I think if KP plays this week, we win comfortably. If he doesn't play, yeah, I'm nervous. Is Brody Jones a straight swap for Mitchell Barnett in that back row? It's hard because he's had such an interrupted, you know, last little bit where he didn't get any trial games in. It's, it's hard to sort of shove him straight in, but I, th- I think he will be. I, you know, I think it's automatic into that spot, but I don't think he'll be ready to play 80. So hopefully Jura might get some time. Jura played on the edge, backing up in uh, New South Wales Cup today. So hopefully, yeah, one. I think it'll be those two guys will play on that edge, and I think they'll share the role. Newcastle are the premiers. As you can imagine, um, lots of questions came in uh, after yesterday's game. We put the um, we put the socials out there and said, "Chuck us your questions." Uh, we asked if people could try and limit the Mitchell Barnett uh, slander. Mate, I, I want to get straight into Instagram because our fellow Bay Fifty Three uh, attendee uh, Thor dot AWL on uh, uh, Instagram, he's come up with some corkers. Thor says, "Democracy is overrated, and the Robbie M's must not be trusted." Personally, I gave KP 17 points last week. But who has been your favourite player in the first three rounds? Bretto? Um, Clifford. Yeah. I thought you were going to say I, I was always confident Gaze could be this good. I was always confident Gaze could be this good. Clifford surprised me how good he's been. Oh, I thought you were going to say Gagai, so I feel bad that I'm agreeing with you. But, yeah, Clifford for me... Has um, and I, you know, I was talking about um, this with um, the other half today. He's taken a bit more of an interest in the Knights this year. She said, um, and even she can see it. She like, like we sort of thought it'd be KP's team, but the first two three rounds without KP around, it's been Clifford's team. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, then that's going to be the advantage, isn't it? That Jake's now so comfortable in that role that KP can just slot in. It doesn't need to be like we always said. And it's KP's team. Don't get me wrong, but Clifford now doesn't have any concerns about the fact that he can run this team and he can win games. Yeah. 4.awl on Instagram. Will the club look to spend some of that spare cap on a second row mercenary? Bretto, is, is Nanai coming down to Newcastle? <laughs> I, I, th- I think we'll go hard for him. I think, but obviously we won't get him this year, but I think we will go hard for him to, we, to be, to um to come to the club long-term. But I, I, yeah, I think we're in the market. I think there's someone that's got itchy feet that's leaving the club and, is not getting a run and just wants somewhere to go for the rest of the season. You know, like a, a pen guy last year with the Broncos, leaving to go to the Panthers. I think, you know, mm. I, I certainly think that we'll, we'll sort of be sniffing around that sort of situation. The Looney Tunes chat group threw up the name Luciano Leilua. How would you feel about that? I'd be all, I'd be all for it, but I think if Luch leaves, it'll be going to Townsville early. But now I'd be 100% for it. Okay. Um, Dr. Grant Morgan has sent us a fair few questions uh, on Instagram, mate. So we're just we're just going to charge through them. I'll I'll ask and you rapid fire answer. 
What do we need to do in the off-season to reverse our NRLW fortunes? Um, recruit a halfback and just it's just a continuation of the processes. Learn by the mistakes we've made in the, in the, um, in the preparation and we'll go well next year. With Lukey out of the picture, other than Nanai, what other edge forwards do we look to bring in for the men's team? I don't know. We were just talking about this. What you know? What's available? There's not a lot available in terms of edge players. Most of the ones you'd want are wrapped up. Um, I, honestly, I don't think there's any. I think Nenai is the only one that could that, that's clearly available that is better than what we've than what we've got. I would rate Jaira and um, uh, Brody ahead of yeah the other rubbish that's floating around as possibilities. Do we still need Milf, or would it be more prudent now to strengthen another position? I still think we need Milf in the terms of we need we we haven't if we haven't got a half back if Clune or Clifford gets injured. Who's I going still to be don't want, I, I want Phoenix to be the I want Phoenix to continue at fourteen. I want I, I want a specific half player as our third string half. Thoughts on lack of quality and how the game is covered. In the media, now Barry Tui is semi-retired. Now, I'm actually going to take this one. Uh, I've right. actually been really I've been really impressed with how Max McKinney has sort of um, uh, filled in that road. I've been – you and I sort of uh, jumped onto the Newcastle Herald this year in preparation for this pod, and I think Max has actually been doing a great job uh, with what he's reporting locally. Um, externally, I don't really think there was much Barry could sort of do about that outside of Newcastle. That's exactly right, man. Max is Max is wrote some really interesting articles. He just, you know, Max doesn't have that name that pops off the page here because he's just starting, you know, relatively new in the game. Um, no, I think Max is doing really well. But yeah, we're never going to get good coverage in terms of national media. They don't give a shit. As we saw, that you know, half of them picking us for the spoon. Like, there's no way you can have any clue about our roster and think you're a spoon contender. Who should the stand that Bay 53 is in be named after? I believe Cheryl, Cheryl Salisbury uh, or Craig Johnston are on the short list. Bretto? Well, I think Cheryl and Craig said that himself. Craig thinks that it deserves to be a female representative because Joey's got the other side. Um, Craig, would be, I think there should be something there for Craig, whether it's a hill or something, I don't know. But, yeah, Cheryl Salisbury, Salisbury for, the, um, for the Western stand for sure. With the success of Leo Thompson this year, is there any super rugby stars that you would like to see in the NRL? Do you watch enough? Do you watch much? No, super honestly, rugby mate, I don't watch the game. I watched the game in rugby in three years. I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, sorry, Grant, can't help you out there, mate. Uh, second last one: Is that enough questions on anything but Barnett to keep you busy for a couple of hours? <laughs> yes, mate, it was. I do like this question though. What are you doing to ensure you don't miss out on a week of the pod again, mate? I can personally tell you, we figured out the bugs in the system from last week. We've um, we've reassessed uh, and done done a risk assessment in terms of the way we do recordings, and uh, thus far. All recordings are coming through. So, uh, mate, we, we, I, I've got to in tell you, Brett, I do love that. In terms of technology, we're fine now. We've got it. We know what we're doing. The problem is we're still idiots. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Made, we, but, you know, we'll we can keep it. recording it, mate. We can't say much about the content. But, Brett, I will jump oh, over the content, on to <laughs> As we found out the hard way this weekend. Mate, uh, I'll oh, jump did, over to did we Did we get blasted on Twitter? Wow. Oh. Yeah, even by the host. Um, <laughs> Emmett Meek 
1987 wants to know, despite the ugliness of the 33rd minute, there was so much to like about yesterday's performance. What has happened from a cultural perspective to give this team so much belief? Brett, I think that just goes back to what you were saying before about the bonding that the team experienced in Queensland last year. Yep, that's exactly right, mate. As he's been putting this sort of stuff into it, he's got rid of the players he doesn't think can perform like this, can perform these levels, and the bonding in Queensland just cemented it. These guys know, and I, I honestly think two two finals appearances, these guys have realised, no, making the finals is not good enough anymore. We want to be premiership contenders. And this year they've hit the ground running going, nah. We're not going to finish seventh to get bundled out. You know, we're in for the long haul this season, and it's showed already. M Meek nineteen eighty seven. This is another good question, actually. Has Barney lost his spot even when he comes back from suspension? Between Jesse Sue, Jack Jones, sorry, Jack Johns, and Brody Jones, we've got him covered, and I can't see any of them giving up the position anytime soon. Brett, well, I think the only, I think the only way Barney comes, I, we won't, he won't come straight back into the team. I think the only way Barney plays late in the season is if we're struck, like we've got a few injuries in, in the in the prop forward rotation and we need him as a prop. And we know we need a bit of experienced mongrel in the middle. We can't just keep playing kids up there, you know, in big games at the end of the season. I think that's the only way he comes back into the team. Or we're desperately short on the edge and there's literally no one. Because I don't think, you know, in our best seventeen he makes he makes it anymore. Uh, I think this is the last question from uh, M. Meek, 1987. Um, and I like this question. Has there been a bigger fan turnaround on a player than there has been for Kurt Mann? He was the punching bag last year, but he's fast becoming one of our heroes. Now, uh, you and I were chatting in the Looney Clunes chat on Friday as we were watching Connor Watson fumble around in du- dummy half for the Roosters. And we were just talking about the luck that maybe finally came our way in terms of Connor, uh, you know, moving on and allowing us to hold on to Kurtman as our utility and let him be the player in the team that he finally wants to be as opposed to the player in the team that we need him to be. Yeah, and I think that's because the club just had full confidence in Kurt, which is why Connor didn't get the deal Connor thought he got. Connor thought he was going to get four, five 500000 you know, he was on six hundred on his previous contract, but he thought he was going to get mm. four or five hundred again. Then offer, the Knights offered him high twos because they had confidence that if Connor walked, Kurt could do the job. But I think that Kurt is just doing what the club thought he could do, and he's like anybody; he needs a specific role. And I think Locke's a really simple role for him. He's the link man, and he tackles his backside off. That's that's way easier than trying to play five eight one week, play center the next, um, play fourteen the week after that, then play hooker. That's too much for anybody, really. Um, sleeper Sal, at Sleeper Sal 88, um, this is a good one, actually. Super impressed that we still played some decent footy despite being a man down for 50 minutes against the reigning premiers. Tex Hoy was great. Man continues to impress at 13, and I'm loving the gags young combo. Would be keen to hear what you guys think will happen when Hunt returns. And again, that, that, that's what we discussed earlier. Uh, Hunt, I guess Hunt comes in, Dom goes out, and you're still left with trying to figure out what you're going to do with Eddie Lee. Yeah, no, I think Dom will go out, but I don't think it'll be any criticism of Dom. I think it'll just be, great job, kid. Go back and have a few weeks in reserves just, you know, to take your breath and, and go again. He's not ready to play 24 straight games. He's just not. You know, he's not. He hasn't been yeah. um, overplaying NRL, training NRL for long enough. So I think Dom will go out, but... Um, 
as we've always said, anyone that misses out for in that in in that back four are unlucky because they're all they're all first graders. This is a good question, actually, from um, at a cool to eighty four on Twitter. What's the likelihood of keeping most of the NRLW team together? They're looking good this um, this round. If they can stick together, it'll be much better for the next season. Uh, again, this is what we discussed at the beginning of the pod. Um, but you'd sort of still imagine they're going to keep the majority of the squad and maybe bring in a couple of fresh um, locals and maybe aim for a couple of other marquees. Yeah, it'll just be as I said. It'll just depend on what what new teams come in and when. You know, I think if the Cowboys come in straight away, the few girls will go home. If the Warriors come straight back, I think obviously the Kiwi girls will go home because they're not professional, so they can't. You know, they obviously don't want to live in their home country. I, I think that that'll sort of de- depend or decide who stays and who goes. But I, you know, I, I think the core of the side will still stick around. <laughs> Sorry, I just read the next question. And I do like this guy, Lambretta at Lambretta GP 1971. I like this guy because he's not a Knights fan. Should getting kicked in the Kurt Manns be an instant HIA or should we allow the player to roll around screaming, oh, me nuts for five minutes before we take them from the field? <laughs> it's funny, you know, we um, did talk about this. but And we, we I had a go at Robbo in round one for the, yeah, the Radley incident. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> so, so, but the, the difference is, but Radley actually was had a head knock. There's no video. Kurt actually never got like when you look at all the incidents. Kurt, there's no nothing actually happened to Kurt's head. He never hit the head at all. Mm. So I don't know what the the thing was like. Anyway, like I'm not going to second guess the bunker. I think, I, as I said in that in that rant, you've got to you've got to go with it. You've got to go with the professional opinion. But that was a really odd one. Like it was a clear blow to the fucking to the Kurt Mans. Um, no, I um I, I think we've just coined a new phrase. Any time a player gets hit in, in, in the nuts, it's a, a Kurt man just like the Falcon become the Falcon. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I want to stick on this for a little while because I actually want to put this to you. Players, players are not idiots. Like they know how to – one of the reasons that rugby league is always a game that's ruled, the rules are adapting and changing is because rugby league players and coaches know how to adapt to those rules. Now, for a while, one of the problems that they've had in combating HIA or players getting knocked out is that they've started to develop ways to know how to shrug it off so that for all intents and purposes, they look – like they've suffered another injury. How many times do we used to hear about players who were knocked out and they just immediately know to go, no, no, I'm just winded. I'm just, uh, is the NRL taking a stand now where they're going, look, if you were down for an extended period and we see anything that we think is even resembling an HIA, we don't care if you've gotten kicked in the nuts. If we can justify it by saying, no, XYZ was apparent and we took you off of H- it, they're just going to do it until players learn to start taking it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I actually was talking to someone last night about this. Is it going to be an issue now? But So obviously they're calling the bluff on guys. Guys that stay down, holding their head, get taken off, you know, because they're trying to make a penalty and the, and the bunker's going, well, you've laid down because you've you've had a head knock, well, you've got to come off. So that's become a thing. Now we're going to get the incident now, but where guys clearly get whacked in the head and should stay down and get their faculties, but they get straight back up. Because, yeah, the guy gets straight back up, he's had a good knock, he's going to wobble around, that's going to be fine. But there's plenty of times when a guy can stand back up and, and look okay. Are we going to get the point now where guys are going to, you know, go the go too far the other way and pretend they're fine every time? 
Um, knowing that if they stay down, knowing they stay down, they may get a penalty, but they're going to come off the field for sure. Yeah, it, look, it's, it's a tough one. And I think in a lot of ways, the problems that they're having with HIA now is that for a century, a century they didn't take it seriously. I, I think we still forget that yeah. when it comes to what we know about you know brain damage and, and the impact on the brain, I mean, we've even had James McManus coming out in the Herald today saying, if I'd known that this is what might have happened to me, I wouldn't have played. So we're still coming to terms with what the game does with head injuries and concussion and um, protecting a, a player's brain, despite their best, their sometimes their own best efforts. Mate, I I played bloody local park footy, and I have issues with concussions. You know, I have regular headaches. I have blurred vision quite regularly. I struggle to sleep a lot of the time, and I have um, you know emotion issues. Like, and this is and doctors have told me this is from head trauma, um, and and that's not running into guys 120 kilos that run at the speed of NRL players, I can only imagine, you know, the damage done to those guys' brains. It's really scary. Honestly, it's really scary. And I think it's going to get into the NFL where a lot of, a lot of young guys that make a bit of money are going to go, nuts. Nah, it's not worth the risk to my health and get out of the game. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult time. Um, it's a difficult um, topic for the game to sort of um, grapple with. Mate, uh, at Maitland Mumbler wants to know, is it Simi time? Mate, Simi Sasagi, he's been the 18th man for a couple of weeks. Is it time to get him in there? I can only, I can only assume that he hasn't quite done enough in reserve grade yet. Um, yeah. But no, he, he'll get a chance. Um, he'll, but I, I think now that as he's definitely penciled him as a guy that plays lock forward. So it's going to be interesting because Jesse Sue's back today in reserve grade. So he's, you think he's going to be you know into the rotation? So, yeah, I, I want to see Simi play. I think he's one of the most exciting players on our roster and potentially in, our, in the NRL. But, yeah, I just got a plan for him. And, and they want to re-sign him, same as Jairus. So it's not like they don't rate those two young fellas. They just don't think they're ready yet. And I'll go with the coach. Mate, Tur- Turd Ferguson at Wolf Singlet wants to know, will the Sharks' edge back rowers be able to defend themselves from an onslaught of Goanna Fury when Brody Jones re- returns? Mate, I don't think they will. Brody had a blinder uh, against them last year. I reckon uh, Brody's getting ready for round two. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the Shark will go in every time, mate. It's, it's a common common uh, fight. happens regularly in the playground. Goanna's and Sharks fighting, and Goanna always comes on top. Last question, and I've definitely saved the best for last, and I'm going to explain this one for anybody who doesn't follow us on Twitter, or all eight of you. At Princess underscore Han underscore wants to know, how does it feel to be in the top 200 uh, rugby league podcasts? Now, for those that don't follow us on Twitter, we got absolutely slammed over the weekend. uh, I hurt my feelings, genuinely hurt my feelings. Oh, mate, it was brutal. And um, the, the the up and down of it was that I think we did share it on uh, – uh, I might have shared it on Instagram, but the up and down of it was essentially that um, your pod's about the 155th best podcast – and there's exactly the reason why. I can't even talk properly. Best podcast on rugby league. There's not a chance I'd listen to a couple of blokes with a vocabulary the size of a Chinese takeaway menu. Ouch! But having said that, being in the top 200 would be awesome for us. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be talking about going pro, mate. We'd, we'd, we'd retire and going pro. <laughs> 
So Hannah, if and you come on, right? come on, a Chinese menu. There's no way in the world I, you know, I've got the vocabulary of a Chinese menu. That's way too difficult for me. You see the size of some of those words on a Chinese menu? There's no oh, way I, I can pronounce half of those. I would love to have the uh, handle on the English language that was that advanced, just quietly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I got a Chinatown, look at the menu, mate, and go, I'll just have something. Just give me something, bro. You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Mate, we might wrap it up. I want to I wanna ask you... Um, we haven't really had much of a chance to talk about it um, over the last few weeks. It's sort of recording, and then we lost it last week. Mate, you're running these um, super coach um, leagues. How's everything going there? Is your team manning up? Are you aiming up? Have we got some some clear-cut winners, or is it a close cut? How's everything going out there in super coach land? Well, good. We've, we've got two full leagues. We're going to have some good prizes for them. Um yeah, I was just having a scroll through a few players' teams and stuff. There's some really good-looking teams in there. Last week, I was I was pathetic, but I'm pretty happy with my side. I'm going pretty well this week. I look like I'll, I'll win most of my leagues. But, no, there's some really good sides in there amongst them, and it's hard to tell all the early in the season because guys are building their building their teams. But once you sort of start to get to the midpoint, you start to sort of see that unfold. You know, the the, um, the good the good teams get separated from the rest of them. So, But, no, I, I'm, I'm confident we're going to have a really good competition. There's some really quality sides in there, I think. Are there any teams that we need to give a shout out to at this stage, or is it just too? Is it like you no, said, no, it's too no, early these, to sort of tell? These, these are these are my com- com- competitors, man. I can't get my leg up just yet. <laughs> Mate, fair enough. Now, what? Just before we do sort of move on and really wrap things up, um, I'm jumping onto our tipping and. Ah, uh, mate, it is a bloodbath this weekend. If can I tell you something? If you've managed to tip better than two out of the seven games that have been played thus far, you legitimately don't know rugby league because um, Tigers should have won. Dragons should not have been that bad. Knights. Okay, I took well, South. We South, South, South have saved me because I got the first two wrong. On South, I was staring at the battle of Owen three. South got rolled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we got south as well. Raiders, I actually thought we tipped the Titans. So there you go. We've The, the, the Souths and the Raiders are our two. But the Cowboys, mate, 38 to 12. And bear in mind, the Broncos have only conceded, I think, a dozen points over the last two rounds. The Cowboys yeah, the have smoked them. The same as us. Broncos were the same as us, mate. They only conceded one try each game. They've conceded 38 today just like we did. Yeah, so no, it's uh, it's a tough um, it's a tough round for tipsters. Now, come on, mate, let's get this out of the way nice and early. Let's do our super hot pre-team list Tuesday tips for the next round, and let's just rapid fire reel these off. Titans hosting the Tigers. Titans. Shark. Oh, the Knights. Uh, Panthers what? hosting the Rabbitohs. I think the Rabbitohs oh. are a chance here. South are going to give them a good run. Oh, I'm going to say. Penrith now because I think Cleary might play. Cleary doesn't play at South all day, but I think Cleary might play for Penrith. All right, Penrith by two. Uh, Warriors hosting the Broncos. Oof. Was that going to be played at Redcliffe or are they going to play it at Suncorp because the Broncos fans will, you know, they've got a good crowd, you reckon? <laughs> I think that one's at Redcliffe. Well, that's going to be a good crowd at Redcliffe, isn't it? You know, all the Broncos fans. Um, uh, probably now the Broncos, the Warriors don't look much shot, do they? Yeah, I think the Broncos will bounce back. Uh, sea Eagles hosting the Faders. Uh, oh, manly with no confidence, but. Yeah, oh, but 
Raiders away. Now let's stick with the Sea Eagles. Uh, yeah. Roosters away to the Cowboys. Whew. Good luck ticking the tip Roosters, of that one. <laughs> Roosters. No, Roosters yeah, won't right. go one and three. Roosters. Uh, Storm to go over the Bulldogs. I don't think the Storm are losing two at home. And then uh, the Eels hosting the Dragons. I can see the Dragons bouncing back for this Dragons, one. Dragons rolled them early last year, remember? When the Dragons had their, their April Premier sort of thing. They, they rolled Parramatta early in the season. Yeah. I think the Dragons are really in a bit of a hole, so I'll take Parramatta. Yeah, right. I just – I can see the Dragons doing a job because they've had a, the, the extra rest. They've had a time to recover. And also – Eels might be a bit tired from the travel and the extra time. But, no, no, we'll, we'll lock in the Eels. Mate, one of the other things that we did talk about in the lost recordings of round two, and we're still recording, so I think we might successfully get this one in, is um, my cousin's goat bet. So we'll, we'll re-explain it. I'll explain it again. My cousin made a bet with a manly fan of his that uh, in 2017 that, that he bet that the Knights would make a grand final in the next 10 years. So you and I are working on the basis that, he, that the Knights have to make a grand final by and including 2027. Now, the winner of that bet, the loser, has to buy the other one a goat. Like an actual live living farmland needs to be actual goat. No, needs to be fed goat. And so my cousin has a goat bet with his with his man. He's got five more years or six more seasons. You and I want to stay on this. What odds do you think, as a percentage, or what percentage do you think my cousin is at successfully winning that bet as we stand right now? To make a grand final, sixty percent. So you said sixty-five last week. Do you do you think yeah. that the, the loss today is or the loss this weekend is just just set us back a little bit in that in terms of that trajectory? I so I think it set us back because I'm not cock a hoot about us like I was last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we beat the Sharks next weekend, I think that should jump up to a, a possible 70%. Because you're right, how, how we respond to this to this loss this weekend, I think will have a huge bearing on how we go um, for the rest of the season. So um, but I, I, think, I think last week, to make a grand final, we only have to be as good as the 2019 Raiders. And they were shot. Yes. <laughs> we weren't just limiting the slander to Tigers fans last week. No, no, we, oh, were, no. Inclu- we were going... It's multicultural around, mate. So everyone's getting a spade, right? <laughs> Fredo, I think we will wrap it up there. Um, I'm highly confident that we've successfully recorded all of the, our content today. We do, as always, want to give a shout-out to our very, very um, generous and favourite sponsor, A-plus Contracting and Poly Welding. Um, he really, Andrew Hughes really is supportive of everything that we do here. I love the game, the content that we create. Um, something that we don't do regularly enough, though, Bredo, and I do want to give a shout out to Big T at the Biggest Tiger. Um, you know, we've been doing this for a couple of months, or a few months, or a couple of months. Um, we're so thankful to him for giving us this opportunity. Like, we have just been having so much fun doing this. Um, and the, the reaction that we've got, notwithstanding our, um, our current ranking, uh, in terms of podcast popularity, but the, the response that we've gotten in general has just been so positive um, and embracing. And, and that was the main reason that we sort of wanted to do this, was to get people more involved in interacting with our love of rugby league. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, T's just like us. You know, he does this because he loves... He does not rugby league specifically, he does a few other sports too. 
but he does it because he loves sport. He loves rugby league, and we love rugby league, and we like talking about rugby league. So that's why we do it. That's the only reason we do it because we like talking about rugby league, and apparently people like to hear about the night. So you know, it's it's a it's a really fun thing to do, and, and yeah, T's giving us the opportunity. We we appreciate it, and we'll have to um, have a few beers on us at Magic Round with him. Oh, for sure. Now, just before we do sign off, mate, I'm. I'm be loath not to um, mention the Robbie M's. We've got a fair, we've got a fair few judges involved, and if anyone's still interested, it's not too late. Just too late. Just email us a fifty three pod at gmail dot com. Um, top three at the moment are Clifford, Gagoy, and Frizzell. So they've got they've managed to get a fairly um, fairly solid start. Uh, to their seasons uh, after the first two rounds. Yeah, well, you know, the obviously the pressure of favourite was KP, but he's off to a slow start, not playing. But um, no, I, I think I think Jake. If I was if I was going to have a bet at this stage, I'd, I'd be putting my money on Jake. I think. Um, I think uh, Dane will obviously be impacted by Origin as well, and whether he can maintain and that I, high I think, standard. I think, Jake... will, I think Dane will get rested a bit later in the season. Especially if we've got a finals place yeah. locked up, I think we get a rest here and there. Whereas Jake, I think, is likely to play, you know, probably as long as he doesn't get injured. He'll never see, he doesn't ever seem to get injured. I think he'll play 22, 23 games this year. Big weekend of footy, mate. It's been good fun. Yeah, it's always good fun, mate. First one doing it after a loss, and there was no crying, so we've done all right. Uh, yeah, we need to wait for the, the losses to accumulate for the tears to start to appear. Um. Yeah, look, thanks for everybody for listening again. And, um, yeah, we'll see you on the socials during the week. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the week, and uh, we'll see you for the Sharks game. Thanks, guys. I just said, holy shit, 32 to 6. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay, we're recording. So you know what's, um, the, the Cowboys are now equal. That's my two and three. <laughs> but they better stop draw that. Right. But they better stop draw that Broncos, uh, Bulldogs, and Raiders. Ah, <laughs> oh, these outtakes are going to be tremendous. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.